we'll get into the word here in just a moment. I uh, have spent a lot of time in prayer this week. Uh, yeah, there is nothing that will enhance your prayer life quite like knowing you have to stand on the stage and speak. I told somebody backstage that and getting in the passenger seat of my wife's car. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> Two things in life that will enhance your prayer life. And uh, I'll pay for that later. But, you know, it is what it is. You get nervous and you say things and you're like, yeah, well, that's a bad move. But uh, she's had a lot of flat tires here lately. I'm like, are you just driving through construction sites? <laughs> like, is that just what you do? But anyway, but seriously, I have, um, I've spent a lot of time praying about uh, direction for a message for today and obviously wanting it to be God's will, not mine. Um, you know, what does God have for this, for our church today, for me? And um, he kept bringing me back. Uh, to a scripture that, just to be honest, I really didn't want to talk about. Uh, it's like, God, I want your will, your way. And I kept and I kept coming back to this one scripture, and I'm like, but yeah, not that one. <laughs> Anything else, right? We've had some retreats and stuff lately. I've had some messages. I'm like, I could just recycle one of those. You know, you gave me those a long time ago. We could just use that again. It's easier on everybody. But um, I kept coming back to this scripture, and I'm going to go ahead and warn you today, when I, when I quote this scripture, a lot of you are automatically going to be, like your instinct is going to be to tune me out. Like, oh, I already got this. I'm good. I've heard this a thousand times. I, I'm good to go. Because that was kind of my thing, right? I've, I've read through this scripture, you know, a, a dozen times and just kind of blew right past it. But for whatever reason, the Lord, as I've uh, studied it the last couple of weeks, um, has revealed himself uh, through this scripture in a new way and, and showed me some things that I've never noticed. Um, and, and the scripture, I'll go ahead and tell you, is John 3, 16. And a lot of you, again, you've, you've probably heard this your whole life. You maybe didn't even grow up in church, and you can maybe quote this scripture, right? You may not even know the Lord, and you can quote this scripture. You know, it's, uh, it's been one of those things. And I know for me, growing up, this was always like the, uh, when we, we would talk about evangelizing, we'd have these Sundays or, or Wednesdays, where, you know, the pastors are like, youth pastors, pastors are like, hey, you know, bring your neighbor to church. Bring your unsaved uncle to church. We're going we're gonna to share the gospel with them. I'm like, well... I mean, could I not just share the gospel with them, you know, but whatever. But it was always those Sundays where it was like, you know, we're going to share the gospel. It was always this scripture. And you go to youth camps, it's always this scripture. And we always think about it. It's, it's always just, just for that. Like, that's just when you're trying to lead somebody to the Lord. That's the only time we pull out this scripture, right? And it's great for that. But I believe for a lot of us as believers that God uh, can speak to us through this. He has for me this week. Um, it's not just this salvation message, if that makes sense. That is it, but uh, there's, there's so much more in here that I think so many times we just blow right past. And again, God used this in my, my life in a powerful way over the last couple of weeks, and I believe you can in yours as well. So I'll go ahead and quote it. Most of us know it, don't even have to read it, but it's, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have, and scripture says in the Greek, life eternal. And uh, that's important, I think, later on in this scripture. But, but that's what that scripture says. And again, a lot of us can quote that. You know it by heart. I didn't even have them put it on the screens. I'm like, we probably already got this, right? But I want to kind of break this down this morning uh, and look at just a few things. I believe, again, God has spoken to me in a powerful way through this, and I hope he does for you as well. Um, so we're just going to start with the first two words of this scripture, for God. So it says, for God so loved the world, for God. And we're going to stop right there, and that's what we're going to we're going to focus on here again at the very beginning. This is so foundational, right? Like for God, you have to establish like who is this God? Who what are we, who are we talking about, right? How do and even more importantly, how do I view this God? There's a there's a quote we've uh, some of us have probably heard 
What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's A.W. Tozer. So how do we view this God? How do we look at God? What are our thoughts about God? How do we think about God? That is the most important thing about us. What do we, what do, we do with that? Who is this God? And um, kind of a weird example, but a couple weeks ago, I, was, um, I like to get on Twitter and just scroll. That's kind of my thing. And uh, people make fun of me, but I love it. Like, I don't know what it is about it, but I get on there and scroll. And I found this article, and uh, it was talking about this book that was written in 1926. It's called... Um, one, no one in 100,000. Never read the book. I'm not recommending you do. I have no idea anything about it. But it quoted this thing, and I want to share this with us this morning. I think it's, uh, it's kind of it's interesting, and the more I've thought about this, the more um, it's kind of blown my mind to think this, this through. And I don't want to spend too much time on it this morning because you can just go down the rabbit trail here. But um, it says, and I'll explain this in a minute, but it says, um, inside the imagination of every person we come across exists a different version of himself, a version that's a mismatch of his own self-image. Another quote, everyone who you cross paths with in life has a different version of you in their mind and their versions differ from the sense of the true you. So something to think about this morning is every single person in your life has a different version of you in their mind. You ever thought about that? Like how wild is that, right? Like so there is not one person that has the exact same view of you, right? because no one really truly knows who we are. We like to think that, but, but to the depths of who you are and every single person you come in contact with because of their life experience, the way they were raised, the way their perspective, the way they view life, things that have happened to them with other relationships, things that have happened between you and them, they view you differently than every other person. Does that make sense? So every person in this room right now and watching in house church has a different view of me than the person beside of them, right? Step further. So if you come out after church, say this is your first time here this morning, and me and Terry are out front, me and Miss, Miss Terry Broom, we're standing out front, and you walk up to us. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, me and Terry's perspectives on people are a little different, right? I have to work really, really hard not to be negative, okay? That's just my thing. Like, I've been praying about it. It's gotten better as I've gotten older. Um, I'm just usually skeptical of people, right? But you walk up, and you're like, hey, you know, this and this, and you meet us, and, and like, hey, I want to get involved. I'd love to volunteer. I'm gonna be like, okay, here's 42 steps. We're gonna make sure you're capable of this, right? I'm skeptical of you. Now, Terry, you could walk up in a Jason mask holding a machete, and she's gonna be like, sign here. Kids, kids ministry. <laughs> yeah. Now, luckily, we've got a lot of systems in place to prevent Terry from doing that. So don't worry. <laughs> We're preventing her from making those decisions. But you're going to walk away and Terry's going to be like, that was the greatest person I've ever met. And I'm be like, Terry, I don't think so, right? We're going to have very different views of you. And that's pretty accurate. Our staff is dying laughing because we've had these conversations. Pastor Jordan all the time was like, Terry, you can't do that. <laughs> but, so, but point being, in all seriousness, you walk up to both of us, we're going to have a very different view of you, right? In our mind, living in our imagination, there are two versions of you right? That's just how life works. Now, that's, you could get on a lot of paths with that, right? But, but where I want to go this morning is, what, what I, I was thinking that through, and one morning in my prayer time, I felt like the Lord put that in my heart, and that we can do the, if we can do that with people, we can do the exact same thing with God, right? Like, there can be dozens, if not hundreds, of different views of God in this very room, right? Like, like the, the God that you have could be a God that you've created in your mind and imagination. You ever think about that? 
right? Like, like, like the God that, and there's a scripture, um, it's, uh, it's Acts 17, it, and, and Paul is talking to the people of Athens here, not Athens, Georgia. You're like, well, I know the devil went to Georgia, but I didn't know Jesus was there too. But uh, I don't know why I even said that. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this is not Athens, Georgia. People are right on, Georgia, I love it. Cool, didn't know he went there. But um, he's talking to the people of Athens, and he talks about they're serving all these gods, and it says that there's this, even a, uh, they've got a thing to an unknown god, right? But he tells them something that I've never noticed before. He talks about this God that's created in the imagination of man. And that hit me, like, how many times do we do that? Do we create a version of God in our minds that's not from the Word of God? That's not truly who God is, right? So that's why I think this is so important and that we establish who God is because a lot of us, especially in the modern church, I believe we have a weak view of God. In our minds, God is much weaker than he actually is, right? In our minds, and I've really prayed through this a lot lately, and this is something we've been talking about as a staff, do we have a right view of God? Or is my view of God low and my view of self high? Because, and Pastor Jordan talked about this a few weeks ago in talking about reverence, that so many times in the, in the modern church that God is almost here to serve us, us not, not us to serve him, right? Like it's all about me, uh, my purpose, the plans God has for my life. God's almost like a genie in the bottle. It's all about me prospering, all about these things. And, and even, I can even remember growing up going to youth camps and all this stuff, God almost being presented as weak and needy, right? Like, like just come to the altar, you know, just, just, just this. And it's like, uh, almost like God needs me more than I need him, right? And that's just, that's true. That we, This view of our God has, is, is skewed so many times in our mind. And I believe, and I'll talk more about this in a little bit, but I believe it's because the only uh, image of God we've gotten, the only experience we've got with God we've gotten is through other people. We don't have our own experience with God. And I wanna read some scriptures today. This is gonna be a, um, a lot of just, I'm just gonna kinda of go through, and I'm not gonna read dozens, but it's gonna be a good bit of scripture. Because I, again, I believe ultimately a lot of us, and this is where God has had me, we have this low view of God and a high view of ourselves. And that ha- we have to have a right view of God to understand when it says, for God, so loved the world. We have to understand who God is. We have to see God for who he is. Does that make sense? So we got to establish who God is. So as we do that, I want to read, and again, you could, I could stand up here till I'm blue in the face. We could stand up here for hours quoting these scriptures, but I'm just going to read a few that have spoke to me this week about who this God is. Um, if you look first in Genesis, you think about who our God is, that he created everything we see, everything we know, and all the things that we don't see and know out of nothing, right? Like most of us can't even put an Ikea couch together having all the pieces. God spoke into nothing. Think about that for a minute. It's mind-blowing. There was, there was nothing. Boom. Stars, the moon, the sun. It says the fish of the sea, the oceans. He tells them where to start and stop, the mountains, the trees. It says the beast of the fields. You look in Genesis, and I encourage you to read through and think about that, that God uh, created all that we know out of nothing. That's who our God is, that, that he spoke and things were. That's how powerful and how great our God is. I'm getting into scripture. This is gonna be Old Testament scriptures. First Chronicles 29, 11. 
Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for, for everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thought, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than my ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Psalm 145, 7, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we can't even comprehend. We can't even comprehend how great God is. Isaiah 40, 28, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. All three of those scriptures talk about how we can't even fathom how great God is. We can't even fathom his ways are so much higher than our ways. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim his handiwork. Psalm 47, 2, for the Lord, the most high, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. And I love this. Me and Miss Terry were talking about this this week where God uh, comes to Job and he says, uh, brace yourself be, you know, like a man. He starts talking to Job. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On, that were, uh, on what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstones? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the seas behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set it doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no farther. Here's where uh, your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown dawn in his place? This great God, he's just talking about how great he is. Where were you when I made all these things? Who are you in the presence of God Almighty? The God that spoke, he met with Moses and he said, you can't even look at my face, Moses. You'll surely die. And the God who parted the waters before him, the God who crushed the walls of Jericho, the God who did all these things, who shut the mouth of lions. This is who our God is. You go into the New Testament, and I'll spend just a little time here. This is Acts 17, 24. This is the same scripture we quoted earlier where Paul talks about having uh, this God made in the imagination of man. The God having made the world and all the things that are in it, he being Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in handmade temples, nor is he served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives everyone life, breath, and everything else. And we see in the New Testament the power of God, the God that turned water into wine, the God that healed the sick and raised the dead, gave the blind their sight. All these things we see in Scripture that conquered death, hell, and the grave, that is who our God is. This is our God. He is great, and he is worthy to be praised, that he is high and lifted up, that he rules, he reigns on his throne right now. That is who our God is. Do we have that view of God? He's, he's holy, he's set apart. Again, he's high and lifted up. He rules, he reigns creator God on his throne. Do we see God that way or do we see him as almost weak and needy? Because that is who our God is and there's scripture after scripture who talks about how great our God is, how wonderful he is. Majestic is your name in all the earth. And you see the way David writes about God. You see uh, what we see people experience with this God. And it, Scripture says that he is the same forever. Yesterday, the same. Today, the same. Tomorrow, the same. Forever. 
That is who our God is. He can't, he can't change, it says in James. That is who our God is. He is great, and he is worthy to be praised. And two things I want to point out, talking about that. I said it a minute ago, but that is why I believe, as we talk through this in our view of God, why it is so important that we get God for ourselves. That, that we, as Jamie talked about last week, we go after God on our own. You can't be dependent on a man or a woman uh, showing you who God is, right? Most of us, I believe, uh, we have God secondhand or thirdhand. And something I thought about this morning, and, and I don't want to bash anyone else or anything like that, but a lot of times I want you to think about something. We go and we listen uh, to preachers and teachers and we go to churches, we do all these things. And I think that is so uh, wildly important. You look in scripture, it's, it, it is this what we're doing today, whether you're in this room in your house, church is so important. It's so powerful, right? It's, it's an amazing thing. But a lot of times we go and listen to people who heard about God through somebody else in a seminary, who heard about God through somebody else and that have never really experienced God for themselves. And then they're telling you about this God. And they've never experienced that God for themselves. So how do you know if what they're telling you is true unless you experience that God for yourself? Right, we have to get God for ourselves. This is why this is so, I could talk about this all day. And as, as Pastor Jamie talked about last week, we have to get in the secret place. This should be an overflow of our week, right? Like we've been with God all week and we know who this God is and we see him for who he is. We see his greatness. The longer you walk with him, the more uh, you see who he, who he is, it just leads you more and more to see how great he is and to worship him and to praise him. We have to get God for ourselves. And um, the second thing I want to point out about that is we have to get that, who God is, and at least at a base level, understand how great our God is for the rest of this to make sense, right? For the rest of this to truly matter and to lay this out, for it to mean what it's supposed to mean. Because the next part says, it says, for God, and it says, for God so loved the world. And this has just been wrecking me this week. Because you think about that God, created heaven and earth, put the stars in the sky, told, told the sea where to start and stop, spoke, and all these things were. And he, it says, he loves me, and he loves you, that God. He loves us. It says, he so loved the world that he loves you. That God loves you. That God loves me. If you just stop and think about that for a minute, how powerful that is, that that God loves us. It says, for God, that he so loved the world. First John 3, 1 says, how great is the love of the Father that he has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. God loves us. As we sang a minute ago, oh, how he loves us. That God loves us. And, and the thing that also blows my mind is he loves us like now, like just as we are, not some future version of ourselves, not who we want to be, not who we wish we were, but us right now. Like he loves you right where you sit. And, and I think a lot of times we either have a, a high view of ourselves or a really, really low view. Or some people in the room, you just think you're just trash, you're just worthless. And I just want to remind you this morning that God loves you, that he loves you. The scripture says, that he loves us. He loves the world. And we talked about earlier, you know, nobody really knows who you are, 
You know, everybody says, well, I, he just gets me and he just loves me and all this stuff. He might be trying to get something else, but he doesn't really know who you are, right? Like he doesn't really uh, see who you are. No one else, uh, even, our, even in our marriages, our husband, our wife, nobody really knows who we are but God. God sees everything about you. Those secret sins, those perverse thoughts, our greed, our selfishness, our wickedness, all those things, he sees it and he still loves you. Scripture says, oh, and these are kind of terrifying scriptures if you want to really be honest about it. Hebrews 4.13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who we must give an account. Proverbs 5.21, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and the Lord examines all his path. Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You understand my thoughts from afar. You search out my past and, and my lying down. You are aware of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know about it, O Lord. Before a word is even on our tongue, he knows about it. He knows you and he loves you. Like he really knows you and he really loves you. And this is not, you know, a lot of times this is, People present this as always oh, to be an excuse to live in sin, but, but Paul writes in Romans, this kind of kindness leads to repentance, right? It doesn't lead us to stay how we are. This kind of love, understanding who this God is and that he loves us just like we are leads to repentance. And if you look in Scripture as well as we move on to the next part, that he gave his only son, some of us wonder, like, like how do I know that he loves me? I had these thoughts a lot as, as a kid, like, like, are we sure about this, right? Like, like, I know me and I know how wicked and evil I am. Are we sure that God loves me? And the first thing is, I would say, is, is you see it in his word. Scripture says that he cannot lie. God has never lied and he never will. So he says it in his word, he loves you. And that's, that's enough, right? But then he goes on and we get to see that he's proven his love, that he, that he gave his only son, Romans 5, 8. But God proves his love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son that the world, we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So you don't have to wonder today, does God love me? He loves you. He proved his love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Next part of this scripture, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have a life eternal. And something I noticed this week, I've learned from Pastor Jordan to always go um, and, and look at the Greek of some of these scriptures. And if there's things that maybe you don't understand to see how it was originally written and how, what some of these words mean. And, and something that stuck out to me is I've always looked at this scripture and said, would have eternal life. And in my mind, again, because just kind of the, what you grow up in, the, the time period, a lot of times from stages, it's, it's basically, hey, John 3, 16, I don't have to go to hell. <laughs> Basically, he's right, right? Like, it's heaven and hell. I, I want to go to heaven, right? <laughs> like, it's kind of what it is. It's all about uh, the, the future. And that is, this is about that. It is about uh, us being with Jesus forever and, and being in heaven with him. But I thought it was very interesting. And something that the Lord showed me this week was, if you look at this, but have eternal life, it says, but to have, uh, to hold, possess, it, that this is now, to have this now, to have life eternal, and that's what this scripture says, but to have life eternal now, right? He says, you can have this now. And there's another scripture that says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is something that we access now. It's, it is about heaven, but, but it's also, he says, you can possess this life now. 
It's life eternal. It's true and abundant life. Jesus even says, I came that they may have life and life to the full, life abundant, that I came to give real, true life. And so many of us, we believe that life can be found in something else, right? That, that life can be found, true life, that this void inside of me can be filled if I can just be a little more successful. It's like a, a horse chasing the carrot out in front of them. If I can just be a little more successful, that is what will fill the void inside of me. If I can just get a little more money, if I can just uh, get to this one level, that is what will fill the void inside of me. That is what will do it. If I can just get a little more pleasure, if I can just have this, if I can just have that, whatever it is, we search for life in so many different things. But Scripture says that life is only found in Christ Jesus. And so many times we take, take things that God has given us that we are to enjoy and have in this life, and we make that the thing. Where I can find life in that. That is, that is where true life will be found. And we spend our whole entire life here on earth chasing that, and most people get to the end of their life and be like, man, I missed it. Because true life is only found in Christ Jesus. He says life and life eternal, right? And it is, it is heaven that we will be with Jesus one day in paradise, Scripture says. It is that we can have life right now. We can have true life in Christ today, right? We can walk in that today. And so many of us have been fed the lie that we can find it somewhere else in, something, in some created thing, as Scripture talks about. But it's only found in, in Christ Jesus. And as I close today, the band can go ahead and join me. It's like practically, what do we do with this, right? We, got, we, we laid out who God is and what he's done that he loves us that we can find true life in him. What do we do with that? And there's people leaving to go get baptized, if you're wondering. They're not just, they're not just mad at me. Yeah, we can give them a hand, yeah. So uh, in closing, what do we do with this? The first thing, and I want to go back to this just to make sure we got it. It is so vitally important. I can't overstate it. We can't overstate it uh, on Sundays from here to eternity, how important it is that we get God for ourselves, that you get to know who God truly is. And, and, you know, Pastor Jamie laid it out great last week that we can go to that secret place. We can meet with the Lord and we can go in there. We can get in his word. We can get to know truly who God is. Scripture said, if you'll seek him, you'll find him when you find him, when you seek him with all of your heart. Not the door will be open to you. You can find him. You can find the real God, who he is, not some version of God you've made up in the imagination. You can find who God truly is. And then, I believe there's, there's two groups of people in the room. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill lays, lays it out. There's people who are dead in sin. There are people who are dead to sin. There's two groups of people. There's the, the believer and the unbeliever. And I want to talk to both groups. The first thing, and um, as we talk about uh, people who have not put their, their faith in Jesus, that aren't followers of Christ, this scripture says, believe in him and you will not perish, but you will have life eternal. And again, you can possess that today. Right, you may be at home, you can possess that today. You may be in this room, you can possess that life eternal today, now. He says, Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. But if you do that today, and we have people that want to walk with you through that. This is something um, I've thought a lot about this week because for me, most of my teenage years and into my 20s, there were times where I felt like, I was wrestling with the Lord and there was things God was doing in my life and there was things that I had questions about and there's things maybe I didn't understand, but my pride wouldn't let me talk to somebody. My pride prevented me to reaching out and even to maybe even mentioning something to my parents and asking a question. People who love me and want to walk through things with me, 
My pride wouldn't let me do that. There's a lot of you here in this room and in your home today that have that same issue, right? Your, your pride won't let you reach out and ask a question. Your pride, uh, you, you feel like the Lord's doing something in your life even now and you won't reach out. I wanna encourage you to do that. We have staff here that would love nothing more than to talk to you. Terry and Jamie and all these people, they spend hours a week just talking to people and they love it, right? Like today, you can reach out to us. If you're at home, you can send us a message, put it in the comments, call the church phone, send us an email, send us a letter, carrier pigeon, whatever you gotta do, we want you to reach out to us. If you're in this room today, there's people up front, our elders, our staff, will walk with us through you, we'll pray with you, however long that takes. There's people out of our prayer tent. You can do that today. He says, you can possess this life now. And then for the believers in the room, again, I think so many times this is all about um, just evangelism and, and just heaven and hell. But I wanna, I wanna show you something that, that, that the Lord has revealed to me lately. Oh, if you look in inscription in the New Testament, as Paul's writing letters to the churches, because what, you know, his letters he's, you know, to church at, uh, in Galatia, the, the, these, all these different things, he's writing to the Colossians, he's writing to churches, 1 Corinthians, he's writing to Christians. He's preaching the gospel to them. Right, you ever thought about that? He's preaching the gospel to unbelievers, but he's preaching the gospel to believers. And, and it even says, uh, just one example, 1 Corinthians 15, one through five. Now brothers, I wanna remind you of the gospel I preached to you. First thing, I wanna remind you of this gospel which you received and which you stand firm. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise, if you have believed in vain, for what I received, I passed on to you. Listen to this, of first importance, semicolon, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared uh, to the 12. This is of first importance, this gospel. This is of first importance to your faith, to your walk, to your everyday, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This John 3, 16 says, this is of first importance. And I believe we have to preach this to ourselves. I believe we have to remind ourselves, as Paul says, I'm gonna remind the church, I'm gonna remind uh, the saints, the believers, of what Jesus Christ has done. We have to remind ourselves of this gospel. And you look at David, Psalm 42, five, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him again, my savior and my God. And I've read that scripture a ton lately. How many days do I wake up and my, my first thought is, I, I start going about my day, why are you downcast my soul? Like I don't even know why I feel the way I feel today. Right, like you wake up and you're like, I don't even know what's going on. Like nothing's really wrong, but I'm just kind of mad. Right, My team here at church and my wife can tell you that. There's days I come in and I'm like, I don't even know why, I'm just a butthole today. Like, you just stay away from me. I have no idea, right? I'm short, I'm snappy with people. Maybe I'm grumpy, maybe I'm in a bad mood. It's like, why, are you, why do I feel the way I feel? But David preaches to himself. He said, I put my hope in God, my Savior and my God. We gotta preach this gospel to ourselves. I wake up in the morning, I'm having a bad day, I'm having a bad morning, maybe nothing's even happened. But I say, my God, he rules, he reigns, he is on his throne, creator of heaven and earth, and he loves me. He loves me, that Jesus Christ died for me. I remind myself of this. Maybe I'm having some marriage problems. Let's just be honest. If, if anybody ever tells you their marriage is perfect, they're, they're a liar. Every single person, this is horrible. You're gonna all feel judged. But when somebody puts on Facebook how great their marriage is, I'm like, you probably got the worst marriage of everybody, right? Oh, our marriage is so perfect, all this stuff, right? <laughs> Sorry. 
But, but let's be honest, man. We, we ha- we're, we're, it's two sinful people living in the same house. We get in a fight, we get in an argument. Think about this. Whatever's going on, my God rules, he reigns, he is on his throne, he is sovereign, he is in control. And he loves me, and get this, he loves her too. He loves him too, just the way he loves me. My God's on his throne, he rules, he reigns, he's in control, and he loves her. He loves my wife, he loves me. Having some problems at work, uh, God loves me and he loves my boss. God loves me and he loves my coworker. Whatever it is, I'm having some problems with money. My God is on his throne. He rules, he reigns, he owns uh, the cattle on a thousand hills and he loves me. Isn't that amazing? How can we have a bad day with that? We gotta preach this to ourselves. I wanna challenge you every day you wake up, good, bad, or ugly, to remind yourself, just like Paul says, this is of first importance that Christ died for you. That while we were still sinners, Christ proved, God proved his love in Christ dying for us. He, he's on his throne, he rules, he reigns, and he loves you. He loves me. To remind yourself to preach this gospel to yourself. And here's the thing, this leads to a life of devotion, a life of worship, a life of seeking him, a life of going after him. Paul writes, uh, I'll read it to you, Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He's like the only reasonable response, knowing that my God rules, my God reigns, he is on his throne, he is sovereign, he is in control, and he loves me, that he sent Christ, his only son, to die for me. The only reasonable response is to lay my whole life before him. The only reasonable response is to lift my hands and worship him. The only reasonable response is to love the people around me because I know the way that I've been loved. The only thing that makes sense is to give him my everything. What else could I do? that the creator of the universe loves me, that he loves Jamie, that he loves Ryan, that he loves Brendan, that he loves Taylor. I can put my, my name in that spot, that he loves me. What else could I do but give him everything? What else could I do but worship him? You know, Pastor Jordan was talking a couple of weeks ago about how you know people kind of come in late to worship, all these different things. If I wake up and say, my God rules, my God reigns, he is on his throne and he loves me, man, I'll be itching to get in here and worship. I, I won't be able to wait to say thank you to praise him, to lift up a song, to give him everything that I am, to tell somebody else, man. Scripture says, Christ's love compels me. It controls me. Everything I do comes out of this place. I'm, I'm controlled by it, I'm compelled by it. And man, I get everything wrong some more times than I get it right, but it controls me and I'm, I'm compelled by the love of Jesus Christ, that he proved it to me. In light of that, Again, my God rules, he reigns, he's on his throne, he's sovereign, he's in control, creator God who hung the stars in the sky. He loves me. What else could I do but give him everything this morning? What else could I do but worship? What else could I do but celebrate as people who are also giving their life to Christ? We give him everything. 